When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They bought a business as every single year went by, increased in its profitability, sent back to the parent company $2 billion over the holding period that they've owned it. The big lesson was that they, they didn't change it. Sempervic Partners' Tom Russo is on Consuelo Mac Wealth Track. Funding provided by ClearBridge Investments, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Matthews Asia, Strategus Asset Management, and women investing in security and education. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. We have been witness to a market of some pretty far out extremes. The most obvious is Bitcoin, which experienced its worst quarter in a decade in the second quarter of this year. The dominant digital currency plummeted more than 56% in the three months ended in June. That is worse than its previous record loss for the decade of over 40% in the first quarter of 2021. I could not resist showing you this picture courtesy of an online publication called Bankless Times. It shows Bitcoin's quarterly returns in recent years. A picture is worth a thousand words in this case. It also defies a verbal description. Bitcoin fans say this volatility is par for the course for an emerging technology and market. Well, on the opposite end of the spectrum is good old cash. According to Bank of America Global Research, cash rules. It has outperformed gold, bonds, treasury, inflation-projected securities, known as TIPS, and swamped the 30-year U.S. Treasury bond. Then there's a long-term stock performance extreme in the form of Berkshire Hathaway. According to Barron's, between 1965, when Warren Buffett purchased the former textile company, and the end of 2021, the conglomerate stock has delivered a compound annual return of 20.1% versus 10.5% for the S&P 500. As Barron's points out, most of that outperformance versus the index came in the early years when Buffett racked up huge gains in the stock market. Well, this week's guest is a longtime holder of Berkshire stock and an avid student of Buffett's style of value investing ever since meeting the legendary investor at Stanford Business School in the early 1980s. He is Tom Russo, managing member of investment advisory firm Gardner Russo & Quinn, where he oversees Sempervic Partners Funds, which he launched in 1983 after hearing Buffett address his class at Stanford. The global value manager focuses on owning a small group of exceptionally well-managed, well-known brand name firms, many family-owned, with dominant, almost unassailable positions in their mostly consumer-oriented businesses, and then holding them pretty much forever. Berkshire Hathaway has consistently been one of his largest positions. I asked Russo why Buffett's talk in graduate school made such a huge impression on him. I think it's just a a tribute to the extraordinary um, mind and and, and character that combined to form Warren. Uh, The mind has the processing capacity to describe everything uh, that one experiences. 
in uh, in the sense of, of, of investment opportunities and and, and then uh, and then advice for life about how to make sure that you live live a, a decent and and, uh, and principled life and and the combination of each I think has been the the, the, the joy as, as as one who has been able to watch and listen and learn uh, it's 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 both life lessons and it's investment 101 what are the life lessons I mean that he has imparted to you, but especially in that first talk, did he actually give you some examples or some yes. inspiration in that, that first Stanford Business School? Yes, he talked about his efforts to try to go to work for one such person who was um, uh, Ben Graham, and uh-huh. how he was summarily denied a position with Graham Newman, but, but uh, why, why, why he had hoped so highly to go there as far as the life, the life lessons, I mean, there, there were countless uh, over the years, but one of them is um, how strange it is that people are willing to give up what they have and they need for what they don't need and probably can't have. And it's an answer that so often uh, arises when somebody asks Warren at the annual meeting, what the heck happened to Disney or what the heck happened to this company or that company? And he'll say, you know, it's, it's just the human mind doesn't, recognize the risks of, of conduct that may um, expose somebody to lose what it is that they most value. I mean, in the case of the uh, Disney story, for example, uh, uh, Disney had a $5 billion loan uh, in 1987 against a basket of, of, of holdings that they tried to correlate in a sophisticated manner with a trade with the um, against the S&P. And at some point, they had a margin call, and the $5 billion worth of, of, of pledge shares that, that were sold at a banking discount um, uh, went, went away. And they realized after the fact that they actually needed that $5 billion to feel the, the kind of wealth that they once had, but, but they sacrificed it. And Warren has a, a pretty uh, sharp and quick answer as to what that, what that suggests of him. Now, his partner, Charlie Munger, has quantified so many of his answers into what he calls... Um, sort of uh, uh, behavioral science. Poor Charlie's Almanac, yeah. right. He said, the, remember that the stock doesn't know you own it because people make the mistake of projecting their affection on an investment back as though there's somehow a reward. There's no reward. Uh, he says, you don't have to make back your losses the same way you lost the money. So the, the, the big pitfall in investing is somebody takes an ill-advised position, it goes down. They say, I now understand it. I was wrong. When it gets back to my purchase price, I'll sell it. And then it just never does. And uh, to get back to that, uh, that Stanford Business School class, yes. was, was that a, a moment where you actually decided that you wanted to be uh, a, a money manager, where you yeah. wanted to invest yeah. uh, and yeah. you wanted to be a value manager specifically? And just tell us a little bit about that. Well, the value part of it was a, you know, it wasn't nearly so heralded along the different dimensions because, you know, technology hadn't spilled into so much of of our world awareness. I mean, the the most valuable company in the world may be Apple Computer today, and and think of, you know, it was it was in Palo Alto when I was there. I saw Steve Jobs talk at the business school. Mm-hmm. It it didn't take over life as as technology has done so since and um, and so created this dichotomy, growth versus value. Now, in our world, as I said from the start, you know, we're looking for businesses that have the capacity to reinvest. So we, 
we start out with the recognition that we have to have growth mm -hmm. uh, or else we can't compound the value of our assets without triggering a sale and going off and finding something else that does grow. And, and we would prefer to stay with the, the, the uh, businesses that, that have that ability to grow and uh, avoid the requirement of, of, of triggering a sale. I think our turnover over three or four decades has been less than 10% uh, per wow. annum. So it, right. it, it, it's sort of the goal there is to develop big, the big un, uh, uh, pool of tax um, uh, savings that accompany a long-term minded investor. But Tom, wh where did that idea come from? That your focus would be yeah. on, on never one, a, a very small portfolio yes. of companies yes. that have this capacity yeah. to grow and to reinvest yeah. and the capacity to suffer is, we, yeah. we'll talk about that in a moment, but yeah. w did this come from Warren? Was the kind of the spark? I think I became aware of this uh, this um, uh, through through the through the session that he spoke at. Um, right. You know, he did talk about about things that have remained true right through to the present tense. You know, his, his board member Tom Murphy was was Warren was asked about about character, um, and he said at, at our session that many years ago, almost thirty, um, that you can't make a good deal with a bad person. Mm -hmm. And he talked about character. And as an investor, since everything's done through other people, we have high agency cost risk. And, and he said, you can't write a contract sufficient to eliminate that risk. So you just have to be careful of who you choose as your agent. And he talked about the discrepancy between uh, Capital Cities under Tom Murphy right. and ABC, the heralded network. And he had a story about the two of them going across the Atlantic. And they started to, at the same spot same day and over the course of the journey um, this enormous uh, uh, clipper ship shrank and this little rowboat that Tom Murphy started out with grew and by the time they got <laughs> to the other side the, the, the former ABC was a rowboat and, and Cap Cities acquired it and Cap right. Cities had, had done that all based on the cumulative effect of, of, of treating people fairly uh, uh, businesses uh, investing properly and and maintaining uh, uh, the um, uh, the ethics that uh, that uh, fueled that business in, in its extraordinary vault. Now he, of course, had had Tom as a board member for most right. of uh, the past two, decade and a half. The the story about about Tom Murphy was really an epitome of of the um, advice, which is find first and foremost somebody who you really respect. Berkshire uh, is is the largest holding at Sempervic Partners. Yes. Is, with Berkshires as as a kind of the stellar example yes. of yeah. of how a company you know should be managed and what they should look for uh, as far as people that you would trust and have high integrity. Uh, so, are, is that a what you look for as well? Is the integrity and character of management yes. the most important yeah. characteristic of any company that you would invest in? Yeah, and Warren says this when he when he meets with investors. He said, you know, one of the things you have to learn in life is that there's tragic outcomes if you if you happen to fall in love with a person who's mightily flawed, and you think that you can change the person, because <laughs> it's, the history is replete with examples yes. where that fails. Marriages um, are replete with yes, examples of yes. that. In the business world, you might say this is a great company. I, I know I know the manager a bit 
uh, you know, compromised. But the business is strong enough. I'll own it despite my lack of respect for the leader. Um, that would that would not advance your cause very well because huh. it's, it it can't be despite the leader because you depend so heavily on on that person setting the pace and and uh, and sharing the the values and, and managing the business for all owners, not just for the uh, the um, narrow few. Two of the kind of the hallmarks of of your in investing uh, approach is that you you want to invest in companies that have the capacity to reinvest uh, and also the capacity to suffer. And, uh, and explain to us what that means. And did yes. those two ideas come from Warren Buffett or did they evolve from your approach over the years? For the, the, the capacity to reinvest, I think, really was from Warren. And it was from mm -hmm. the fact that when he came to that class in business school, uh, he had really just made the transition from an old-fashioned value investor for whom price paid was the margin of safety. So the goal there was to come up with a, a value that could be, could be realized in the near term. Um, that value should be twice, twice the market price, a 50 cent dollar bill. And in came the investor to release that and, and move on to the next sort of investment. But Charlie came along and said to Warren, you know, by the way, Economic goodwill is extraordinary because it grows over the years. It doesn't shrink. It's not a wasting asset. It's a growing asset. And, uh, and they, they, they first stepped their water in that field with, um, with the investment in C's, chocolate. Mm -hmm. C's chocolate. Uh, mm -hmm. For $30 million, they bought a business as every single year went by, increased in its profitability, sent back to the parent company $2 billion over the holding period that they've owned it. And, uh, and they had enough sense that this, uh, the big lesson was that they, they didn't change it, um, even though they had an you know, opportunity to do what other firms did in that same business, which is they hire a, real, uh, a, a consultant who would survey the numbers and say, well, you know, the problem is you only sell chocolate, you know, eight weeks of the year. You have to put a soup kitchen there, an ice cream company in the summer soup in the winter, somehow diversify for full season. And, and the insight that made them so much money at Berkshire was that no, C stands for premium chocolate uh, with, with, uh, with high integrity and, and great lasting consistent flavor. Um, and it's a temple of chocolate. And right. uh, by, by maintaining that insight, um, it meant that they didn't destroy what, what they bought. And of course, the thing is, you have to suffer eight months of the year if you want to make a profit for the full year. And by suffering, it means that they, they just literally leave it as a candy store for the, 20, for the whole 12 months, four months of which are active, mainly around the holidays, eight months of which you carry it as, an ex, as just a dead loss. And uh, that was a complete transformation. Wow, uh, what and, a revelation. And, and that was back Absolutely. in the early 1980s. And it's something uh -huh. that... Uh, this notion of the, the capacity to suffer kind of came from, from that awareness. Um, in my world, it's, it's a different capacity to suffer. It's the capacity for management to actually make the investments that are needed uh, to, to develop excellence and, and not make investments that are um, uh, desired by Wall Street, who invariably ask too little of a business. And, and hence, you underinvest, and, and, and the cycle that we want to engage, which is invest heavily, create new products, um, increase the margins that flow from innovation and, and acquisition. It's Im 
impossible to do that without uh, with that long-term mindedness without disrupting and, 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 and uh, diminishing reported profits in the near term. And managements who are charged with delivering the full value for reinvestment have to have the capacity uh, not to lose their job, not to, mm-hmm. not to have the, 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 uh, the takeover team you know, clear the deck or reduce their authority. Um, or the activist investor. Protected. Yeah, and the protection yes. that we seek uh, very often comes from family control companies because mm-hmm. they can say, go away, you know, we have control. And, uh, and, and yet that doesn't stop them from coming. So we have Perno Ricard has uh, as an activist in it. Um, uh, Johann Rupert Sarishmont just received the knock on the door from an activist. Um, huh. um, uh, Nestle had one. Uh, Cadbury Schweppes had one. I mean, the portfolio that we oversee, there have been dozens of, of, of approaches. So what would happen if an activist investor came and knocked on Berkshire Hathaway's door? Well, I mean, there there have been people. One, uh-huh. one is the the, the 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 statement: "You're nothing but a conglomerate," mm-hmm. and you may remember conglomerates never did well in the '60s or the '70s or the '80s or the '90s. So why do you think they'll do well today? And mm-hmm. the answer there is they're not just a conglomerate; they're an integrated business where capital flows to the highest use, as regulated by a, a person of Warren's talent um, to comfortably starve businesses that don't deserve more capital and feed voracious amounts of capital to those that can convert it to the greatest growth and Mm -hmm. intrinsic value on a per share basis. Emphasize that per share basis in Berkshire's context today, not not three years ago, but today, includes their willingness to buy back stock. And so the per share value of Berkshire today has changed because they've spent over $60 billion on share buybacks which only began two or three years ago. But that's a big enough amount that it, they've really incremented their intrinsic value on a per share basis through deploying new capital to share buybacks. Tom, can, can you give us an example of, of, an, of an instance where Berkshire you know, took capital away from one of their companies that didn't need it? Seas is a perfect example. I mean, every year they send it send money back to Omaha. Mm-hmm. When um, Clayton Holmes believes that they have an investment opportunity, they have no spare cash. They fly, Warren flies him up to Omaha in the private jet. They have lunch. And, and Warren, in the course of lunch, asks him three questions. And he said that invariably after the second question, he knows the right answer uh, uh, and he owns it because the way he, he, he the questioning steered. Um, that is extraordinary and, and um, means that um, the capital goes um, to the right spot. Um, and if it's, if it's not right, just drop the money and, and wait. Um, and there's no shame whatsoever in not deploying the capital. Is there any other leadership in any other company that, that you think could duplicate what uh, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger have provided as far as their investment and business acumen and their their moral leadership well it's very it's a great question i ask myself of it all all the time and um and uh the the combination of having the insurance company in 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 the hands of ajit for all these years where he he literally nearly never lost money um uh, but but because of their clout in that industry they alone were capable 
of making good on pledges to insurers, so they received the, the, the opportunity to get the, the, the best risks for them, which are the ones that have the highest threat uh, that, they can, that they can diversify with their huge pool of capital. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they have the pool of capital to deploy in equities and in investing in new companies. And, um, and so the insurance it, it ultimately gives them interest rate free capital because right. the float, uh, the float uh, has, has continued to grow into other industries. Uh, but, but the coincidence of starting out 50 years ago with a very small stipend inside the regulatory capital of the insurance company means that today the, the regulatory capital is, is enhanced by all of the advances that have taken place. And that means that that capital is preferred and, and they're able to use it um, uh, to be greater than anyone else in, in the uh, insurance industry, which gives them a pole position. Sounds and, like it's hard to duplicate. I think it's very hard to duplicate. Um, and it's, 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 it's certainly not wise to separate. There's, the activists will, will frequently come by and say, let's, let's break it up. And right. there's a huge tax benefit for staying inside the parent company because capital can move throughout the company uh, without, without taxes being right. paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, there's, there's this you know, enormous portfolio of, of businesses that contribute uh, to the uh, advancement each year that, that you, you wouldn't get full value for if you were to separate them. And so I think, I think it's, it's well worth keeping the tax benefits, uh, the, the capital flow, and the discipline. And it will be, uh, it'll be known over time whether Greg Abel, Todd Combs, and Ted Weschler as a team, um, and, and, I, and uh, there, there's an insurance component that has to be met as well because Hygiet is is, is um, it will, will pass at some point. Um, whether that team has, to, has the, the capacity to continue the brilliance that, that mm-hmm. Warren used to simplify what, what is an extraordinarily uh, you know, challenging business deploying that kind of capital. But what we're living through today gives you an example of why his patience pays off. I mean, he would have the pick of the litter today in mm-hmm. businesses that are down 60 to 80% in value just with, with a pool of capital. So we'll see what comes out of this from Berkshire's perspective. Is, is a succession the biggest risk? I mean, you, you know, 18% of your portfolio is in Berkshire Hathaway out yeah. of your 17 holdings. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a big position. What, what's the risk in holding that much Berkshire? Well, you know, it's not, you know, clearly there's a, a, a concern over age and health and all of the rest of but the truth is that's pretty well disclosed. It, it's not as if the market doesn't already have a sense of, of, of those risks in, in, with both mm-hmm. Charlie and Warren. It's, it's partly why the shares have for so long commanded such a big discount from intrinsic value. And, and so I think, uh, I, I have a feeling that we're, we're pretty aware of the risks and, and, uh, and the business is in a position to, to move if something happens on the share price upon news of any change, um, now that they've already exercised the share buyback option, they can at any point where there's a share price decline based on change of circumstances, they can act with a huge appetite mm. and, 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 and reduce the shares dramatically at a substantial discount to intrinsic value. And, and so 
that's why the, the $60 billion share buyback that's happened to date is ceremonially extremely valuable because it means that upon a moment of crisis, um, the, the license uh, from historical conduct of Warren will enable his temporary successor at that point um, uh, to deploy enormous capital to, to uh, take advantage of the discount if it happens. And at the end of every wealth track, we ask all of our guests for the one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio. But yes. what would your one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio be? It's such an unfair question because there's so many, there's so many um, interesting, interesting ones. Um, but it, it should come from that which I have uh, backed. In this case, it would be Nestle. It's it's global growth prospects. It's it's management. It's it's increased use of their balance sheet through buybacks and, and extraordinary sequence of acquisitions. I would say that would be second to to Berkshire. Thank you, Tom, for being generous with your one investment recommendation. Thanks, Tom, for joining us. It's been my pleasure, as always. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's Action Point repeats some advice we gave you when Tom Russo was on wealth track several years ago, well before the bear market began. And if you had followed it, you would have been better off financially today. It comes from the Oracle of Omaha himself. In his 2018 annual report, Warren Buffett vowed, I will never risk getting caught short of cash. This week's action point, never risk getting caught short of cash. Cash is king, especially when you need it most. Make sure you have a stash on hand to meet those emergencies and opportunities that will and do appear. Someone least expected. Warren Buffett is vowed that Berkshire will forever remain a financial fortress. In your own much smaller way, it pays to become a personal financial fortress as well. Next week, another in-depth interview on how to achieve long-term financial security in the midst of economic changes and volatile markets. In this week's extra feature, Tom Russo discusses his personal commitment and involvement in the Winston Churchill Foundation of the United States. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.